Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. You are not alone. You have found other people. You and I have a friend in common. Every stupid thing that a writer could do, I've done. I think it's really beautiful. Jesus, dude, what a struggle, you know? It was incredible, you know, it was like your head exploded seeing what was really there. And now here's your host, Brad Listing. Just one person at just one time. Uh, right. Uh, right. Hey, everybody, welcome to uh, Other People. I don't have a show for you today. I mean, I have a, a monologue. I have some kind of show for you. But I don't have a traditional interview because uh, I'm in flux still, facility-wise. The good news is that's about to end. My name is Brad Listy. I'm in Los Angeles, California. I hesitated. I debated about whether or not to even do a show. I tried to arrange a last-minute interview. It's it was just it was just too much logistically to make it happen. So uh, I thought I would just talk. Am I coming in too hot here on the levels? I thought I would just talk into the microphone for uh, a little bit and uh, mark the moment. Five years of this podcast. Hard to believe. Five years have gone by. 2011, September 14th, I think, was the uh, initial episode. In fact, uh, I thought maybe it would be fun to listen to uh, the very beginning of the initial episode, the inaugural episode of this podcast, episode number one. My guest was Johnny Evison, good buddy of mine and a fine author. So let's listen to how this thing started five years ago, just for fun. And now here's your host, Brad Listy. Just one person at just one time. Right. All right, everybody, here we go. This is it. I'm Brad Listy. This is Other People, the new podcast in which I talk to other people. I feel like that's a weak opening. Just, I'm just going to say that right now. I'm going to come right out and criticize myself. Other writer people in particular, people who write stuff, people who write books, people who sit there all day long staring at a flashing cursor, people who write even though they're deep in poverty. All right, all right, all right. okay, that's enough. I, uh, I guess the point that I need to make is that the show is five years old. It's come a long way. Hopefully it's gotten better with time. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to believe that this much time has passed. I think back to my life in 2011, my daughter, uh, she was not even one year, you know, not even one. Uh, my buddy, one of my best buddies from growing up had just passed away. I remember that from that summer. That was a rough summer. 
than I was doing this podcast. I don't think the two were directly related, but uh, temporally, like in terms of time, that's what I remember, those associations. Um, I got some new gear. That's what I did really to mark the moment. I got some new gear. I have some new microphones uh, that are in route. Or in route. I, uh, I'm not using them right now, but I bought myself some new microphones. I bought myself a new mixing board. It's going to go into the uh, new home studio when it's done. And I should say, you know, this has been a saga. For those of you who have been listening to this program over the summer, you know that going back to June, uh, the podcast has been homeless. I've been talking about it ad nauseum. And it's finally coming to an end, I think. I think by next week I should be back in action. I'm going to have this uh, new equipment. I'm going to have it set up. I'm going to be able to start booking guests once again in a normal fashion, be able to start interviewing people again in a normal fashion. I look forward to that. It's now the fall. We're officially into the fall, September 21st. Isn't that the, uh, what is that called, the vernal equinox? You know what I'm saying. Is that what it's called, the vernal equinox? You have the, uh, what's on June 21st? That's the summer. What's that called? The summer solstice. The vernal equinox is in September on the 21st, I think. Then you have the winter solstice in December on the 21st. But then that means that there's another equinox. And that equinox is in the spring on March 21st. And I don't know what it's called. The vernal equinox, the summer solstice, the winter solstice. What the fuck is the other equinox called? Anyway, I have absolutely nothing planned. Absolutely nothing. I'm sitting here in my dining room. I'm fucking with the levels. Can you hear me? This is why I need new gear. Just got, I've just got this uh, little two-channel blackjack mixer. It's not even really a mixer. I have to crank the audio all the way up just to get the microphones to really respond. So these are things that are going to be addressed in phase two in the new five years. The next five years, the future. I'm here to articulate the future of this podcast. I have no idea if it's, you know, I have no plan. I just make it up as I go, as you can tell. I hope you guys have enjoyed this over the past five years. Did you hear that? I think my wife just flushed the toilet upstairs. <laughs> She'll be very pleased to have you know that. Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. 
Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Um, I thought too that what I might do, um, because I've been working, this is another part of it is that I've been working. This is the most intensely I've been working on my own writing in recent memory over the past, like eight weeks, I have been feverishly working to finish a novel military style. And, uh, it's felt good. I've enjoyed it. It's making me think I just need, I just should just keep doing this every, if I can just do this every day, if I could somehow maintain this discipline, I could produce literature. I have no idea, you know, what the quality of the literature is, but I thought maybe, uh, you know, because I have nothing else uh, to offer you here in terms of an interview, I might read a special sneak preview of my book. Never before shared with anybody ever including, you know, no one, not my wife, not, not anybody has seen this, uh, except for me. So I thought, well, maybe I'll read a small piece of, uh, of my novel. Are you ready for this? I think the book is going to be called the way out is in the way out is in, but it's all subject to change. I'm now working on the last chapter. I know I tweeted about this a while back. I thought I was working on the last chapter. It turned out to be the second to last chapter. So now I'm actually working on the last chapter. One more chapter to go. I think I should be done within a month with this manuscript. So here's the opening uh, bit. It was in the middle of a late spring heat wave when Ray convinced himself that Israel was necessary. He was seated at his desk in his apartment in Los Angeles and had turned as he sometimes did, usually when bored or depleted, to face the window. The window looked out across the alley to the balcony of a neighboring apartment, the glass door to which was, he now realized, covered in something resembling tinfoil. Maybe it was actual tinfoil. He sat looking at the silvery material, wondering what it was and how long it had been there, guessing at the details of his neighbor's life, a neighbor he did not know and had never even seen, imagining the neighbor as paranoid, agoraphobic, elderly, obsessed with UFOs, before his mind, as if waking from a dream, returned sharply to the subject of Israel. For much of the past two hours, he had been researching Israel online, and now, with what felt like finality, he decided that he would go. His daughter Mia was about to start preschool and his wife Fiona had just gotten a positive pregnancy test. They were once again running low on money, but the trip to Israel, he told himself, was necessary. A three or four day weekend, swiping the credit card. If he was going to write about the place, he needed to see it first. He had never been to Israel and knew little of its history, but on the internet had read that the black market for kidneys was more active in Israel due to burial practices certain sects of Judaism. You weren't allowed to violate a corpse. Very few organ donors. Demand outweighing supply. Plus, it just seemed like a good setting for a third act. Man sells kidney in Israel. So there you go. <clears throat> That's the uh, 
opening bit of the, my novel that I've been working on forever that will hopefully be done in a month. And then, uh, you know, my, I'll send it to my agent. My agent will take it out. What else can I tell you? Uh, let's see here. Let me look through my notes. I've had a lot of great guests. You know, if I had, if I was properly prepared, I would put together a clip show. I just haven't had the time or the space to be able to do it. But you know, it's like it's, it's hard for me to pick favorite episodes. I get asked that a lot. Who are your favorite episodes? Who are the, you know, who are the best interviews you've ever done? What are the most fun interviews you've ever done? It's hard to say, you know, like if I, I mean, sometimes I can't even remember, like I will occasionally see in my Twitter feed or online somewhere, the name of an author. And I'll be like, God, I recognize that name from somewhere. And then I'll realize that I actually interviewed them. <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit that, but that does happen occasionally. It's not something I'm proud of, but, uh, let me get my, I got my phone out. I'm going to flip through episodes and I'll try to go back and remember, I'll go through the episodes one through 431 <laughs> and I'll try to see if I can remember something quickly about each one. Episode one, Jonathan Evison. I remember him uh, telling me that he, he didn't have any pants on. I do remember that. I think like right when the conversation started, he talked about not having any pants on. Episode two, Melissa Phoebos, who, uh, by the way, has a new memoir coming out called Abandon Me. Uh, it's imminent if it hasn't dropped already. Uh, Melissa Phoebos, I remember we were talking about her memoir, Whip Smart, which is about the time she spent working as a dominatrix. And she talked about uh, putting food into the uh, anuses of uh, her clientele, many of whom were like Wall Street power bankers. Emma Straub. I believe we talked about her childhood in New York. I think she went to St. Anne's. It's a private school in Brooklyn. It's like, and then also we talked about, uh, like she's on the same trajectory as Lena Dunham. I think Lena Dunham went to the same high school and the same college as Emma Straub. I could be wrong. Ron Curry Jr. Great writer. Episode four. Am I really going to do this for 400 episodes? <laughs> There's no way. Ron Curry Jr. Up in Maine. Beautiful state. Let me see. I'm going to flip through. Jessica Anya Blau. That was a fun one. She's always fun. Victoria Patterson. Steve Almond. Great guest. Megan Boyle. Episode 13. She was in her backyard at her parents' house. There were birds chirping. She was very nervous. She hadn't slept in a couple days. Katie Arnoldi, episode 18, former female bodybuilder, very skilled surfer, local California writer, Los Angeles girl, Malibu. Janet Reitman, she wrote, the, uh, she wrote a book about Scientology called Inside Scientology, I think, that preceded the Lawrence Wright book, which so, you know, sort of got uh, 
more of a publicity push. But I had a great talk with Janet Rybin, Rolling Stone writer, all about Scientology. Darren Strauss, you know, the audio on that one, I remember he was outside in New York and we were talking over the phone. Dennis Cooper, I remember Dennis coming over. That was a thrill. Charles Shields, we talked about Kurt Vonnegut. David Shields, Barry Eisler, we talked about the CIA. He used to be uh, in the CIA, episode 27. Eden Lepucky, I talked to her, L.A. girl. She, uh, this was before California, her novel came out, before uh, you know everything sort of happened. Ben Laurie, good friend of mine, episode 29. His episode aired on, uh, that episode aired on, uh, Christmas Eve, 2011. Dana Spiota, twice a guest on this program. Rex Pickett, who wrote Sideways, episode 33. Roxanne Gay. I mean, like, the list goes on. I, okay, here's something I've always thought about. Vanessa Veselka, if I remember this correctly, I think I did, uh, a fart joke in the monologue to her episode where I actually had, like, a fart sound effect, which I've used on very rare occasion on this show. And, uh, I felt very, I felt bad about it after the fact. I felt like, you know, am I really doing that? Am I really going there? Have I sunk too low? Is Vanessa embarrassed to be associated with this program? I had all of those thoughts. Ben Tanzer. Good guy. Podcaster, writer. We talked. Ben Marcus. I remember him telling me about how he wanted to become a, a competitive water skier. Eleanor Henderson. We talked about straight edge. We talked about politics. We talked about uh, not knowing. I think I talked about with her. Like it was that was one of those episodes where I feel like I was, like she was helping me. <laughs> I was confused and she was helping me untangle my own mind. Adam Wilson. That one was fun. Cheryl Strayed, episode 46, uh, I, f I feel like that was a good episode timing-wise. Like, I remember, you know, that was February 21st, two, uh, 2012, when that uh, episode aired. And I talked to Cheryl, I want to say a day or two after she had just come out as uh, Dear Sugar. This was right when Wild was launching. And uh, we all know what happened uh, with that. So it was a good moment for her, and it was a good time to catch her. Joe Blair. God, what was that? What was the name of that book? I'm trying to. Uh, won't, it won't tell me. I can't see it. It's a shame that I can't remember. He wrote a terrific memoir. Guy from Iowa. I read the book. So I, you know, look it up. Maude Newton, Lauren Groff, episode 51. Sarah Manguso. That was a good one. That was a deep one. Jeff Ragsdale. He, uh, he wrote Jeff, uh, what is it? Jeff Lonely Guy. Lonely Got One Lonely Guy. About how he put flyers up all over New York asking people to call him. That was, a, that was an interesting episode. Let's see. Heidi Julevitz, always fun. Talk to uh, Chloe Caldwell, Edgar Carrot, Emily St. John Mandel, Ben Fountain. 
Edgar Oliver, episode 72. I've mentioned this before. One of the more memorable interviews I've done was episode 72 with Edgar Oliver. He's just a unique human being. I talked to him over the phone. I just, you know, you, you have to listen to it. Truly eccentric human being. Jerry Stahl, episode 75. Ron Rash, episode 77. I'll say this. I think that he was one of the few, like of all the people I've talked to, he might be the person who enjoyed talking with me the least. (laughs) I think he he disliked the podcasting format. I could be wrong. Let's see. Kate Christensen. That was a good one. That was fun for me. Scott McClanahan. Scott. I meant to have him on again uh, recently, but I didn't have my shit together gear-wise. He's a good one. Jess Walter. Sheila Hetty. We talked by phone. Lydia Yuknovich. Maria Semple. Elizabeth Ellen. Elizabeth Ellen, the only person who has ever asked me for an alcoholic beverage. Which is sort of surprising. But she came over, she's like, uh, do you have any whiskey? It was about uh, like 11 in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I poured her a glass. George Saunders, episode 100. What I always say about George is that he's the nicest guest I've ever had. I mean, it's like, uh, he's one of the guests that people ask me about because he's one of the bigger authors I've ever talked with. He's such a sweetheart. He's such a nice person. It's one of those guys you talk to and you're like, oh, it's not that complicated. Just don't be a dick. My God, DT Max, he biography, David Foster Wallace. We talked about David Foster Wallace, episode 107. DT Max... Um, you know, he's one of these guys, he's very focused. And when he was talking, he's like speaking in paragraphs, you know, he's very concentrated. It wasn't, it was conversational, but he, he was composing himself. And so before we got started, he told me, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm not going to make eye contact with you. I just want to let you know. And he didn't, <laughs> it's like he was staring at the floor and like thinking about what he was saying for an hour. Lauren Stein, episode 112. Editor of the Paris Review. Susan Strait. I enjoyed that one. Episode 117. She talked about writing in her van. Just one of those people that makes you feel like shit for ever making an excuse not to write. Lisa Carver. Episode 121. I think we talked a lot about Yoko Ono. Sam Pink. Kind of a notorious episode. Number 123, it was almost like, it was kind of like Andy Kaufman-esque. It was, it was performance art. I don't know what it was. There was resistance happening, but I enjoyed it. Like I stuck with it for an hour. It was a painful interview. I got a lot of feedback about it, but uh, I have a certain fondness for it. Lydia Millet, episode 128. I feel like she's one of our smartest authors. Or one of the, you know, just one of those people where you're like, wow. She was impressive. 
Ned Vizzini, episode 131, December 16th, 2012, the late Ned Vizzini. That was uh, the second time I'd actually ever uh, talked with him. I went to a reading of his here in L.A. We have, you know, we have a friend in common. We have multiple friends in common. And uh, he came over, sat down, and gave what he called, you know, he, he later called the, uh, the most candid interview he'd ever done, which I'm proud of. It was a good hour, and uh, it's so sad uh, to have lost him. Mira Gonzalez, December 23rd, 2012. That's shortly after I met her and shortly before she moved to uh, Brooklyn for a year, that fateful year. Mira is a buddy of mine. She moved to New York and almost died. She did so many drugs. <laughs> this was, But December 23rd was right before she left to move to New York. Sort of an interesting moment in her life. Christine Scott. XTX episode 139. I'm just flipping through my phone here. Kate Zambrino episode 141. Where has she gone? She was so good on social media. See, she, this is one of those things. Like I admire the fact that she's disappeared from social media because uh, that indicates discipline to me and somebody who's acknowledged that social media is a toxic drain on the vital energies required to make literature. So I admire the decision to move out but she was so good at it and was so compelling. I miss her on Twitter unless she's on Twitter and I just haven't found her again. I really liked her book heroin. I wonder if she's, uh, she's gotta be working on stuff. When's other stuff coming out? It's gotta be imminent. Let's see. Joyce Johnson. She wrote a, a biography of Kerouac and I, here's something weird about that interview. What was it? Joyce Johnson's son is Daniel Pinchbeck, who wrote a book about psychedelics, which I'm, I'm blanking on the name of, but I enjoyed it. And I think either at the end of the interview or after we had finished taping, I mentioned to her that I was, a, you know, I, enjoy, I was like, oh, I know your son's book. I read it and I was, you know, I enjoyed it. The one about psychedelics and, you know, his uh, travels all over the world to ingest all these psychedelics. And she, uh, she wasn't happy. I could tell she didn't. She, or maybe she was, I don't know. I got the sense that she was like, Oh, you read that. Or maybe they, you know, maybe they weren't on the best of terms. I could be totally wrong. That's other people gossip. I'm making shit up. That's just the way that I felt. Terry Tempest Williams, episode 149. Uh, that was a great interview. She's one of those people who just like, you know, I talked to her over the phone. She comes through. There's sort of a Cheryl Strady thing happening where, you know, you just feel uh, like largeness of soul or something. There's a goodness. She elevates you. And I remember we were talking and, and her father, who I believe at the time was in his nineties, came into the room while she was doing the interview and needed help with his, uh, like shirt collar, buttoning it or something. And so she buttoned his shirt collar in the middle of the interview or buttoned his shirt collar in the middle of the interview. Jordan Castro. I just remember being worried about him. Episode 150. He was, uh, I believe, just out of rehab. And uh, in a fragile state. I don't know. I felt that was the sense I got. I wanted to uh, nurture and take care of Jordan Castro. I wanted him to not die from drugs. Leslie Arfin. Episode 151. 
uh, I regret, see, this is where like my lack of proper research comes through. I, uh, I think that she had just, uh, left the writing staff of girls right before I talked to her, but I didn't realize that. And it was because of something she tweeted that was controversial. And I didn't ask her about it cause I didn't know about it cause I wasn't up on all the gossip. But uh, I do remember too, that she showed up with her own drinking glass at my old apartment. Sam Lipsite, episode 154. Episode 155, my best, uh, or uh, my best, my good buddy, uh, Lenore. By the way, my best friend, when people say that, do you really have a best friend as an adult? It's a little childish. Giancarlo de Trapano, episode 160. I want to talk to, uh, to Gian again. I feel like there's more for us to discuss. I want another crack at him. Rob Roberge, episode 166. I just saw Rob the other night at this reading I did for uh, my buddy Rich Ferguson here in L.A. at uh, Chevalier's bookstore. Is this interesting at all? <laughs> Fiona Mazel, uh, episode 169. I got a lot. I remember getting some good feedback on that one. People liked it. There's a little bit of contentiousness. There was a little bit of resistance. Emily Rapp. Her uh, beautiful memoir about her son. That's a tough one. I, you know, when there's really emotionally loaded content in a book or somebody's working through some serious tragedy or trauma, you know, those are the interviews where I, I you know, I find myself wobbly. And I think when you're interviewing people, you can't be wobbly. Like maybe a wobbly moment, but you can't be wobbly throughout. And uh, she had lost her son Ronan to like a really rare disease. You know, when he was an infant and I just, uh, I was affected. I feel like I was affected the whole interview, but uh, just a lovely book, lovely person. I've met her. Let's see here. I'm still going. I'm only on one episode 178. Debole and Unferth. I remember really liking her. It's hard to believe that I had the conversation that I had with Debole and Unferth and I've never talked to her since. Or emailed. That's one of the oddities of doing this. You have these really intimate conversations for an hour with people who you might never see again or hear from again ever. Tao Lin, uh, episode 180 and 181. It was a two-part interview. I think that's the only two-part interview I've ever done. But I regret the audio quality of that interview because we were talking over the phone. Tao... Uh, can, you know, can be a little bit hard to understand both because of the, uh, quality of the cell phone signal and just like the way that he talked. It's a little mumbly, but I got a good interview with him later in studio, which I'm happy about. Emily Gould, episode 182. Maggie Nelson, episode 185. My feeling about the Maggie Nelson episode, like, I feel like Maggie's so smart. And, uh, I, I don't know. I get an inferiority complex with certain guests. Like she's one of them where I was like, what am I doing talking with you? I hope she enjoyed it. Lee Boudreaux, episode 188. I think that's one of the better editor conversations I've had. I've talked to a few editors on this program as I've also talked to a couple of agents 
but it was great to talk to Lee. She was a lot of fun. Elliot Holt, episode 191. Alyssa Nutting, episode 192. Molly Ringwald, episode 197. Uh, I feel like Molly was mad at me for asking too many questions about John Hughes and her movie career. It was impossible for me not to, though. I don't regret it. I had to do it. It's my one shot talking to Molly Ringwald. I think. Maybe I'll talk to her again. I doubt it. Can't imagine she would want to come back home. <laughs> Maybe she would. I mean, it was, it was perfectly fine. I just feel like, you know, this poor girl, she's, you know, everyone just wants to know about you know, 16 Candles and all that stuff. She's, you know, written this novel. It's a bestseller. I should have, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I move, you know, I should have talked about movies for 15 or 20 minutes. I think I talked about it for 40. And we got around to writing uh, literature at the end. Megan Abbott, episode 198. Susan Orlean, episode 200. Let's see what else. Tom Parada, episode 209. Curtis Sittenfeld, episode 210. Edwidge Dantica, 211. Jonathan Latham. That's a good stretch of episodes. I mean, there's just so many. Like, I'm looking at all these people. Carrie Luna, Ethel Rowan, Lauren Grodstein. I really liked all those guys. That's the thing about it, too, is that I really like almost everybody that I've spoken with. And the people, like, I mean here's a better way of putting it. I feel like I've really connected with the overwhelming majority of people that have appeared on this show. That's a credit to them. You have to be open to that. You know, people have been generous and it hasn't been inauthentic or I think, uh, you know, primarily publicity driven. I know people can turn it on when they've got something to sell, but let's face it. We're authors. I don't think that's necessarily a mode that comes naturally to most of us. And that hasn't been the feeling that I've gotten. Like, writers are good people. Episode 218, Jesmyn Ward. That's an episode that I have mixed feelings about in terms of my own performance. Like, I have a lot of white guilt surrounding my uh, southern uh, heritage, my ancestors down there. You know, if you trace it back, I'm sure there were, like, ancestors of mine who did ugly things uh, racially, slave owners. (laughs) Uh, I think that's the case, at least, like, on one one particular line, but it's a heavy thing to think about. And I talked about that with her in the context of a memoir she'd written about, about her, you know, her childhood in Mississippi, all these, uh, you know, young men that she had known growing up who had died in various tragic ways before their time. And I just felt like afterwards, I felt like, I don't, you know, I don't think I should have talked about me. I had that sense after that one, but that book was powerful. The other thing too, is that it's like, it's this extremely moving uh, and depressing book. It's hard. And I read it cover to cover. I want to say in the three or four hours right before I spoke with her. So it was all fresh in my mind. And I was sort of, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, I was sort of emotionally wrecked from it. And then I was talking to her. It's strange to react in an immediate way to a book that you've read, uh, to the author. Usually there's a delay, you know, I went through this the other day 
with a friend of mine who'd written a book. I read the book and then emailed her immediately after finishing it. And uh, I wrote this really long, like kind of gushing email. And then I didn't hear from her for like a week. And I was like, maybe, I, maybe it was too much. Chelsea Martin, episode 220. It's funny, you know, Chelsea and I have become buddies a little bit uh, over the past couple of years, two, three years. But when I interviewed her, episode uh, 220, October 27th, 2013, you know, we were over the phone. I'd never uh, met her before. I'd never been in a room with her. I didn't know her uh, sense of humor. I didn't have like a feel for her. You know, it was all just this disembodied voice over the phone. And she's a, she's got a very good deadpan. And I remember talking with her. I remember enjoying the interview. I remember sensing that I really liked her, but feeling that maybe she didn't like me, which I think is something that maybe other people uh, might understand who know her. Like you can get the sense. She's one of those people, like there's not a, a, a bad bone in her body, but like when you talk to her, she's one of those people who you, can make you think like, I don't think she likes me. Or does she hate me? Like you don't know. And then as you get to know her, you realize like, oh, she's, she's hilarious. Or maybe, wait, you know, I say all of this and she might hate my guts. I still don't know. Laura Vandenberg, episode 224. Daniel Cohn. Episode 226, that was a good one. Claire Vey Watkins, episode 228, talking about growing up in Pahrump, Nevada. Her father being a part of the Manson family. That was a fascinating conversation. Colin McCann, episode 231, talking about how he uh, rode his bike all over the United States as a young man. Jonathan Miles, episode 234. That was a terrific interview. I want to say he was talking about how he was living in Elizabeth Gilbert's house when he was writing his novel. They're buddies. I mean, I can just go on. This is going to take forever. Hilton Owls, Jennifer Percy, Matthew Spector. Gina Frangello, buddy of mine. Spencer Madsen, episode 253. That was in studio. What, what, is, what about that Spencer Madsen interview? I'll have to re-listen to it. I remember he was remarking on my office, taking pictures of things I had on my desk. I think that was the case. Heather Crystal. I don't think she liked me. I, I think I remember uh, hearing that she did not enjoy the interview after the fact. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally right. The Labor Day special, episode 269. That was an uh, episode where I talked to multiple female authors who all uh, contributed to a uh, anthology of birth stories where they talked about their, their birth stories. Uh, one woman I remember gave birth in the back of her car on the way to the hospital. So if you're pregnant, you might want to listen to episode 269, or if you're not pregnant and you're thinking about getting pregnant. Summer Browning episode 272. 
She's a funny one. Juliet Escoria, episode 273. Leslie Jameson, episode 275. Oh, my God. Let's see. So many people. If I'm, and by the way, if you're listening and I'm not mentioning your episode, don't be, don't have your feelings hurt. I'm just, uh, I'm operating, uh, on limited sleep, flipping through on my phone, trying to remember things. Amy Bender, episode 300. Steve Almond, I believe episode 302, uh, Steve and I talked about football. He wrote his book against football, which is a pretty compelling, re- you know, case for why watching football is a bad idea. And yet I still watch football. Austin Cleon, episode 304. Episode 304 with Austin Cleon, you know, he wrote, uh, he writes these books about creativity that can be really helpful and uh, inspiring. That's the kind of episode I should do more of talking to people who think about that stuff explicitly. Patrick Hoffman, guy I went to college with, lived in my dorm, I believe. Now a uh, notable crime writer, crime fiction writer. And he also works as a private eye in his day job. He's got a new book coming out. I think it just got optioned for television. And then uh, episode 317, I had, uh, what, Sheila Hetty, Heidi Julevitz, and uh, Leanne Shapton. They wrote that fashion book. It's all about, like, clothing. You know, God, my memory is so bad, but I remember having a really good time talking with the three of them. It's rare that I have three guests sit down with me at once. That was one such case. Todd Goldberg, one of the funnier authors in American letters, Diane Cook. She's a sweetheart. That's another, you know, she's one of those people I remember being like, oh, she's really, she's really good. She's nice. Celeste Ng, same thing. Episode 322. Let's see. Frederick Barthelme, episode 327. Great to talk to him. He was down in the, what, the Florida panhandle. I think that's where he lives. Megan Dom, episode 330. Atticus Lish, episode 331. I'm actually in the middle of uh, finally reading Atticus's uh, novel, Preparation for the Next Life. It's awfully good. It's sad. It's intense. It's awfully good. It's one of those books where you're like, okay, this guy's got chops. It's so well-crafted. Every sentence kind of rings perfectly. Perfect pitch. Dorothy Alasky. There's another one. I really liked her. Mike Bushnell. That was a really fascinating conversation about the creative process. There's a guy who, uh, he's one of those guys. He's got a really good attitude. He's very resourceful, very bright, but very level-headed, practical, determined to make art. If you're blocked or if you're in a a blue mood, or if you're just frustrated, listen to uh, episode 335 with Mike Bushnell or episode 333 with Dorothy Alasky. Either one of those. Luke B. Goebel, episode 338. I think I'm going to read his book next. Like, I have all these things. This is another byproduct of doing this show. You know, I, uh, I have all these books I mean to read. 
you meet all, you know, I meet all these writers. I talk to them. Sometimes I'm able to read ahead of time. Other times I'm winging it, but I'll have conversations. And I remember talking with Luke and just being like, my God, I got to read this guy. He's got a lot to say. Chelsea Hodson, episode 340. Chelsea, when is your, when's your book coming? You've got something cooking. I read Pity the Animal. A lot of us have read Pity the Animal. We're waiting for uh, what's next. Poor Chista Kakpur. That was a fun one. I'd like to talk with her again. She's from Los Angeles, originally. That was right after the uh, the whole... Uh, what was the... Uh, my God... The Bat Segundo, the Ed Champion fiasco. I think that I talked to her in the wake of that. Episode 352, uh, my, my April Fool's, my infamous April Fool's episode where I pretended to interview Michiko Kakatani. Still one of my favorites. I still get emails about that. <laughs> People listening who, you know, who come to it after the fact, who think they're actually listening to Michiko. When, of course, uh, the truth is that it was uh, Laura Norton, Mira Gonzalez's mother, over there uh, across town in Venice, California, pretending. Like, she wasn't even pretending to be Michiko. I was just talking to her on the phone. I recorded our, I recorded our conversation and then presented it as a Michiko Kakatani interview, which many people believed was real, sincerely. And funny story, you know, Michiko Kakatani used to follow other people on Twitter. And when this episode came out, there were so many tweets about Michiko Kakatani on other people. And I kept retweeting them and kept retweeting them. She unfollowed me. I think she must have either listened to the episode or felt as though she was the butt of a joke and she didn't like it. I hope that's not the case. Michiko, if you're listening, I'm sorry. It was in pure fun. Not making fun of you, making fun of the, you know, this, the fact that like, here's the thing. I feel like there's a certain, uh, unknowability surrounding Michiko. She doesn't make public appearances. You never see her photo anywhere. You know, you, she just appears in writing. That's probably as it should be. And so I thought for a show like mine, it would be funny if people believe that I got some sort, you know, some sort of exclusive interview with her. It's the kind of thing she would never do that I can imagine unless I'm missing something. Sarah Nicole Prickett. Oh my God. That's one of the toughest interviews I ever did. Uh, just a tough person to interview. Uh, maybe, or maybe it was me. I don't know what it was, but there was just like a lot of resistance and miscommunication and uh, like, you know, just back and forth like that. And then I, I think I, you know, I felt nervous and I was asking, I asked a question about God, what was it? It was something sexual. Cause she does this magazine, uh, about sex. Is it called Sex Magazine? <laughs> Again, my memory is fucking terrible. But I, uh, I was talking to her. I was trying to ask interesting questions about sex and her, you know, her feelings about sex. And then I felt like I offended her, and I felt like she didn't, you know, I, I felt like she didn't want it to be a part of the interview. And then I wound up like spending all this time editing the interview to try to create a version 
that was not going to upset her. And then it, then it, when I posted it, it actually wound up upsetting her that I didn't include the part where, you know, it was just a mess. That's one of the, it's one of the very few episodes where I feel like I just fucked the whole thing up. You're welcome, everybody. Amelia Gray. Episode 361. She's been a guest more than once. A couple times she's been on. She's a buddy. Always fun talking with her. I felt like we got a good one that day. Matt Johnson, episode 364. Ryan (laughs) O'Connell. God, he's hilarious. He's here in LA, TV writer. Maggie Shipstead, David Eulin. So now we're getting closer. Lydia Yuktovich a second time. Tao Lin and Mira Gonzalez. That's one of the more popular episodes that I've ever posted. Like, what are the most popular episodes? I want to say George Saunders, Tao and Mira. Uh, this Chuck Klosterman episode and the Franzen episode that I posted recently uh, are well on their way. Matt Summel, episode 374. If you don't know Matt Summel, he's a buddy. We've gotten to know each other a little bit. We went to a Dodger game a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. He's a riot. If you ever get a chance to go to see Matt Summel read, just be in his presence, try it. I bet you'll have fun. J. Ryan Stradle. Carolina Vatslaviak and the Crystals. Do you guys remember that when I talked to Carolina? That was the second time she appeared on the show. Episode 377, talked a lot about crystals. And then uh, Joshua Moore, episode 378, we talked about his uh, health scare. He had a, like a heart thing. Like I want to say he had like a mini stroke or a, God, I'm, again, I'm forgetting, but it was like something where his arm went numb and he had to go have emergency surgery. And I, I guess during the interview, I was encouraging him to write a book about that. And then just uh, last week, he sent me a copy of the galley of the memoir that I encouraged him to write with a very kind note inside of it. That felt good. So keep your eye out for Joshua, Joshua Moore's memoir upcoming from $2 radio, Bill Clegg episode 381. Extremely swampy. This is like one of those interviews where I like, this is back when I was in the filthy garage, my old house. And, uh, it was like a re- it was an unusually humid day, not unlike today in LA. Today, like the last couple of days in LA, have been unusually humid, and uh, this was on uh, September twenty third, twenty fifteen, almost exactly a year ago today. Weird that the weather is almost identical, but uh, it was it was even hotter. It was like ten degrees hotter, about ninety five degrees humid in Los Angeles, and Bill could not do the show until late afternoon. I remember that. And so he shows up with uh, his driver or whatever. They drop him off. I take him back to this filthy garage. It's 95 degrees, the hottest part of the day, end of the, you know, late afternoon. I close the door. He's wearing a blazer, <laughs> like a wool blazer. He had to go, he had to like use my bathroom to like towel off at the end of the interview. And he had to go do a reading at a bookstore right afterwards. If if any of you are actually still listening to this, Eileen Miles, episode 387. 
that was another, uh, that was a harrowing episode. My computer died 10 minutes before Eileen Miles arrived. I think I've talked about this on this show. My computer died. I was panicking. I ran inside. I literally ripped my wife's laptop out of her hands. It's like, I need this. She was in the middle of working. Ran out to the garage, closed the door, set up everything, you know, set everything up. Eileen Miles arrives. We do the interview. Amina Kane. That's somebody else I mean to read. I have her book on my list. I also want to talk to her again. There's certain people too. I was like, okay, I, I think there's more to talk about here. I want to talk to Amina again. Maybe after I finish reading all of her books. The Holiday Spectacular. <laughs> Episode 394. That was uh, Mira Gonzalez, Gene Morgan, Mira's boyfriend. They came over and uh, we just, uh, what, we drank and made merry and talked on the podcast. We also called a bunch of people. We called Melissa Broder, my buddy, old writing partner, screenwriting partner. We talked to Roxanne Gay. I forget who else. The Holiday Spectacular got mixed reviews. People either loved it or hated it. Got a lot of listeners. Alexandra Kleeman, episode 392. Boulder Girl. She's from Boulder. Margaret Malone, episode 396. Boy, I really liked her. It's one of those people. I think she and I are almost exactly the same age. And I was like, okay. Like, I felt like we knew each other. I think we have a friend in common. We do have a friend in common. And it, and she used to live in LA. And there, it was like I already knew, I was like I already knew her when she showed up. Ruth Warner, Elizabeth Brunig, Alex Chi, Hanya Yanagihara. Uh, Hanya showed up and it was like, uh, I think my, my, you know, my dog Walter went out to the gate. She was at the gate, opened the door. I, I was a little nervous for this one because whenever I'm, you know, whenever I'm talking to somebody, I start to do a little bit of research, just doing background. They got this big book out. Everyone's raving about it. It's nominated for the booker, all this shit. I can get myself wound up. And so I was a little bit on edge, but probably hiding it fairly well. And then we go out, Hanya standing there. I say, hello. My dog, Walter goes out. He loves to like huff a person's shin. He'll stick his nose right up against your shin. And he stuck his nose up against her shin or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's Walter. I was like, you, you know, do you like dogs? And she was like, no, not really. And like, I didn't, I, I thought, you know, it took me a second to realize she was serious. And then I like immediately snatched the dog up, put him inside. We went back to the garage. We sat down and talked. One of the better interviews I think I've ever done. She was awesome. And we really hit it off. I don't know. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure how she feels about my, you know, about Walter, but, uh, I really love talking with Hanya. Mark De Silva, episode 402. That was a fun one. Melissa Broder, episode 404. You know, Melissa and I, we sold a TV show together to MTV a couple of years ago. We were writing screenplays for a long time together. She's a, a good buddy of mine and a very gifted writer. Juan F. Thompson, Hunter Thompson's son, wrote a memoir about uh, growing up as Hunter Thompson's son. That's another one. Those, these, like, these, some great memories from this show. 
you know, over the years. It's so interesting. I'll never see him again, most likely. But we sat down and we really talked about his uh, life, his dad, all of it. And I remember after the micro, you know, after the show was done, after the interview was done, you know, turn the microphones off. We talked for another half an hour or an hour almost. You know, and I, I had lived in Colorado for eight years. That's where he was born and raised. So we had that in common. Tony Tulutamudi, Elizabeth Crane, Kirsten Valdez Quaid. You know, all these recent episodes, Dana, Dana Spiota. I mean, there's not a better writer working today than Dana Spiota, I don't think. And she's just, she's always game. She's done the show twice. Um, I really like her. She's an L.A. girl, or she was raised here. Zhang Yun. There's another, Naomi Munawira, both of those. Like all these, and now these are like fresher in my mind. Cynthia Dupree Sweeney, uh, my buddy Claire Hoffman, Stephen Elliott, Vietan Wynn, Max Porter, Mike Edison, Francis Stroh, Chuck Klosterman, Sloan Crosley. You know, I don't need to get into the ones that I've just done this past week, but that's it, you know? That brings us up to today. Five years into the Other People podcast. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm extremely grateful for everybody listening, uh, for all the people that have been supporting the show over the years and, uh, you know, or people who have just come to it, whatever the case may be. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, once I get my shit together in the next few days, I get my new microphones, my new mixing board into uh, the garage, the new garage with its new setup. It's going to be very good. I'm going to start having people over. It's going to be a good show, more good conversations coming your way. I will hopefully finish this novel of mine in the next month, or at least like a significant draft of it. I can begin, you know, doing hand edits and uh, possibly taking it through some sort of editorial process, but it's all exciting. It's a good, it's a good moment. It's fun to be at this point in a book where you're at the end, you sort of know where things are. It's a, what I find is that it's a little, it's a little bit uh, nerve wracking because you know, what I'm trying to do is, uh, balance this sort of giddy energy that I have as I can sense the finish line with the desire to get it right. Once you get close, you start to get into a hurry and I can't be in a hurry is what I keep telling myself. Just slow down, concentrate, get it right. It's not about being done. It's about getting it right. So Anyway, I should probably wrap this up. I've got us to uh, almost an hour, <laughs> believe it or not, just sitting here babbling on my own. Uh, thank you once again. Five years. We are now entering the second half of other people's first decade. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I know that I enjoy doing this, and I hope I can do it for a very long time. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, like I've said before, I think it's a cool cultural project. I think it's a good thing to amass this little library of interviews with writers of note, people doing this work and doing it well. And uh, I'm proud of that. And I hope that, uh, it offers something valuable to those, uh, those of you out there who are listening. So, uh, that's it. I'll talk to you guys next week. I'm going to try to get an interview together and, uh, thank you. Good night. Goodbye. Good afternoon. Good morning. Okay. Okay.